Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Seg Shaped. And we go far, far away again today. Uh, someone that I don't know, but I feel like I do because of that wonderful thing that we call social media. We share some people. We've got some people in common, as is always the case in this tiny rugby village that we inhabit for a little while. Uh, and a man with big aspirations, huge inspiration to many people. I do not know how to introduce this guy. I've thought about it. Believe it or not, I do put some thought into this. I reckon he's a student of the game. He's an ambassador of the game, but most of all, he's a champion of the game. He's somebody who uses this game to make lives better, to give people opportunities, to build those relationships, share experiences, and make the memories that we all treasure. Uh, I'm delighted that he's given up some time. He's a podcaster himself. He's a coach. He's been a player and he continues to be very, very busy. So he doesn't have a huge amount of time. So stop talking, Bruce, and get him in here. The one and the only Mr. Robin McDowell. Hello, sir. Good morning, Bruce, or afternoon. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very well, and I'm, I'm delighted to have you with us. You are a busy, busy man. Just uh, just thankful to do what I love every day. And in, in North America, to, to work for yourself in the sport of rugby uh, is quite rare. So you have to wear about 10,000 hats. <laughs> and you've got the McDowell rugby hat on. <laughs> Looking very cool today. Well logoed up. But you're busy today. You are working today. Yeah, we got a summer camp. We kind of run a yearly summer camp. I, I run one one of my own, I guess, for McDowell rugby. And then uh, I've been on the road uh, guest coaching in, in other clubs around uh, Canada this year. And I uh, was hoping to fit in a few more, but likely when the rains hit the West Coast on Vancouver Island, I'll, I'll get back on the trail with the clubs. So life is busy and being on the trail is something that you've done for a very long time. But I am interested because to many people that listen to this, Canada 
I, I, I hate this for it, but that tier two, you know, rugby's not the main game. There's a whole load of other things in line. What was it that captured you in the game? You know, it's always, uh, it's always that, you know, those one or two teachers, coaches that, you know, get their hooks into you. Um, and actually two of my uncles, two of my dad's brothers uh, were rugby guys and uh, the West coast, Vancouver Island specifically uh, is rich with rugby. Uh, there's a strong rugby culture, probably the strongest in North America. Um, and so I'm lucky there, obviously we have Scottish weather on Vancouver Island. Those that haven't been to the West coast. So we don't get much snow. We get some snow. It's pretty wet. It lasts for a day, but outside of that, we can play 12 months a year. So that's that's obviously conducive to rugby, but yeah, my my uncles were pretty well established in the game. They represented the Vancouver Island Crimson Tide, uh, which is a, a representative team that's it's known around the world. And uh, so I had a couple of heroes to look up to, I guess, at a young age. And then uh, you know I got drug out to the rugby club once, and and uh, that was a scary thing for a for a Canadian ice hockey baseball player. And uh, I never looked back. Um, so I'm uh, just really thankful that I found this, this sport and this family and just growing up playing ice hockey as well. Like it's a, it's a beautiful game. There's nothing like it. Um, but the culture of ice hockey for me is, is not that of rugby. And I think that's what makes rugby so special. So I, I tried to be, you know, I think I was a decent hockey player on the ice, but off the ice, like I tried to be a hockey player, but that didn't really fit my, my, uh, you know, how I was raised and who I was, um, and, and rugby, you know, obviously we just left it on the field and, and, and it was, it was really family as we always, as we always talk about and why we're still here doing it. But uh, for me, it was really that, 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 that sold me on it, the people, the places and the things. I find that really fascinating because obviously hockey is the Canadian game. Uh, and then you have baseball, you have gridiron, you have all those other things that get thrown into the mix. How easy is it then to sell the game of rugby two Canadians involved in those other sports? Well, for me, I've obviously lived it. Um, And so I have a story um, that is real as a, as a fellow Canadian. Um, But, you know, I've had some success as a coach. I've had some, some success as recruiting, but I think my number one thing is, is finding that talent. And a lot of time we get um, foreign coaches that come to come to North America and they say like, yeah, you know, Bruce, he's, he's a good athlete, but he doesn't know how to pass or he doesn't know the game. And it's like, yeah, of course <laughs> he's a, he's a football player. He's a hockey player. So our job is to find the talent, find the athletes, trick them into playing rugby and then teach them how to play, teach them how to play. Right. And then understand like where they're coming from. And I think that, that for me is like, okay, I, I understand that athletes, you know, they're, they're crossover athletes. That's what we have here. So you, this is what we're dealing with. We're, you know, if you come from the UK or Southern hemisphere or come from a rugby prominent nation, you're like, Hey, Bruce is 18. He's been playing rugby for 17 and a half years. Right. Great. Right. So for us, it's like Bruce is 18. He's been, you know, it's been snowing for 10 months. The ice is, the ice is just coming off the farm fields. Right. We have, we have two weeks to teach him how to play. Right. And so for me, um, you know, after I played for Canada and, and lived in Vancouver for a few years, uh, the big city, I, I got flown out to Saskatchewan, the Canadian prairies, just one, one province over from off. And, uh, and I loved it. And what I loved about it was that there was so many powerful, exciting athletes, like fishing where the fish are, 
Uh, they're big. They're strong. They used to get any run over by cattle. They don't mind cold. You know, they're, they're the perfect athlete. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a famous song in come out of Alberta. It's called small towns, big dreams. And that's really about for me, North Americans. Now we have athletes in the cities. I don't want to disrespect the cities in Canada, but man, um, you know, if you've got to, if you got to walk, you got to go outside in minus 40 and, and, uh, you know, do some calving and, you know, whatever it is like, those are the, those are the kids you want. And, and a lot of guys that have played in the NHL for ice hockey, like they're all farmers. You go to New Zealand, they're all farmers. Uh, they're tough kids. So for me, um, you know, it's uh, I, I always go to the small towns. So um, and then I just recently it's it's not really out there yet, but I'm, I'm going to be working with USA Rugby contracting to to help find the, the gold medalist, gold medalist women for the 2028 uh, LA 7s. And, uh, um, you know, good on the, the U.S. to get a crazy Canadian coach to, to hit the road. But I, I just I just get in my. I'll go anywhere. And uh, for me, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate, loyal Canadian. I got two maple leaves on my body. But I mean, for me, it's all about, um, you know, like you say, that there's there's not just one way to the top or one way uh, for opportunities. And, um, you know, I'm every time I connect with a kid or, or a person, it's like I don't ever take it for granted because I know what it's like to be at the bottom of that elevator and to not know there's a world out there to understand the fact that like, you know, these kids that are coming to my camp today, they have no idea about the World Series. They have no idea about Six Nations World Cup. They have no idea about the friendships, uh, the the fact, this global community that's out there. And so I understand what it's like. I, I remember rocking up to my first session, Bruce, and it's like, you know, this coach with thighs on him the size of my body and shorts, you know, it was like the early 90s. So shorts up high. And I'm like, what is this? No pads and this is crazy. So whenever I go to a new session, I realize these kids are like, okay, this coach's shorts are too high. He's crazy. Like, what are we doing? No pads. So you have to put yourself in their shoes. Right. But the number one thing is, uh, it's obviously that experience. And, and, and one thing that I've realized this year more than ever is you take the time to talk to somebody and you tell them about some opportunities, you tell them they can, it is the most powerful thing. And as much as I've had a blessed with the most amazing um, mentors and coaches on the West coast. Cause like anybody that's played for Canada, that's from elsewhere, like basically stays on the Island for the most part. Um, so I, I've had a lot of great uh, guides, but you know, I really only needed one or two like that really told me I could. And like, by say they changed my life, they literally just told me I could, you know, seven easy years later I did. So um, <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And, and again, I like, I just come back from three stops across the U S and I mean, I don't remember the games. Uh, what I remember is just, you know, the coffee and, and, and the pictures that I have in my head, is just, just our girls smiling. And that's what, that's what I love. So. Yeah. I, I speak to people on here and, and various others. How many results do you remember from your career? I, I think I've got three in my head where mm. I can tell you the final score but the head and the heart are full of people you've met, things you've done, places you've been, feelings you had. How then do you get though that, I mean, you've got the raw material up there. Um, Canada is, is pretty rich with the raw material. When are you going to reach that tipping point when rugby becomes not necessarily first choice, but known and then something that people see there's a future in, not necessarily be a pro, but, 
this is this is somewhere I want to immerse myself in? You know, that's a tough question and maybe a political question. But if I'll just be honest, like when we have the right person in charge of Canadian rugby, um, that's willing to get it done, to willing to roll up their sleeves and get around the country. Like for me, had I never left Vancouver, I mean, obviously I went to Europe and we can get into that. And I've been working with Mexico and I'm on a plane every day. But uh, actually living in the heart of Canada, actually living on the freezing cold Canadian prairies, I wouldn't understand from a Canadian perspective specifically what it's like to live in Canada. Because basically once you get out just outside of Vancouver an hour or two into the hills, into the by the hills, I mean the Canadian Rockies, um, it's a blanket of snow. Like for seven eight months um and it's beautiful um but it's not great for rugby so i coached indoors for a decade i started university program that we coached indoors and trying to keep people engaged in anything indoors three four days a week um in the gymnasium uh with maybe one competition a year now that's coaching but um you know, the, the biggest thing is, is, is when I come back to the West Coast now in 2019, you know, coaches or people, decision makers in our sport that have never really lived in those places, don't understand what it's like and don't know where the talent is, right? So I'll give you an example. At the Commonwealth Games three, four days ago, three girls from Alberta, which is the second province over where Moffat is. Um, Logan Piper debuted for the Commonwealth Games got tournament player uh, in one game she scored one try Kiara Wardley from Vulcan Alberta which is you can imagine the middle of nowhere scored two tries and then Chrissy Skirfield from Canmore Alberta with the middle of the Rockies she's 18 years old just turned 19 my apologies she scored five tries so eight tries in one game from three Alberta girls meanwhile I'm coaching in a professional league in the U.S. And I have two, I have like five Alberta girls and two Saskatchewan girls, which is a province over from that five Prairie girls, absolutely dominating this professional league and on debut. Um, and most of them are under 20 years old. So I I'm telling like the, the, the talent is, 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 is in, in across Alberta. And, and honestly, you know, I don't think Moffat's been given enough credit for that because he was the director uh, for rugby Alberta after he was the assistant coach of the national team. And the best thing that happened to Alberta is, is uh, you know, he moved into that role after being a national team coach because he could actually focus. He was on the ground. And, you know, the the byproduct of that is so many Alberta kids. Now, the, the piece about the prairies is that there's – well, you got British Columbia as the West Coast, and then you got Alberta, and then you got Saskatchewan, Manitoba. So – Alberta's like has basically two major cities and a bunch of small cities, towns. Saskatchewan has like two smaller cities. Manitoba has Winnipeg, like one city. So basically, Alberta would have, I don't know, probably 50 times the amount of people playing rugby than Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan would probably have 30 times as many as Manitoba and Manitoba. You know, so it's the same athlete. It's the same part of the world, pretty much. I mean, they're massive places, but there's just way more in Alberta, right? So, um, but you have to go to those places. And when I when, when I've done talent ID for Canada, it's like, hey, you're flying into to city A. Um, most people in any sport would just like get off the plane, check in, have a beer, have dinner, go to the event, fly home, sweet, report, good, do their job. For me, I'm like a month out. Hey, Bruce, I'm going to be here in a month. 
Um, do you have a bunch of coaches? We could, we could grab a coffee and go over the national team plan and, and talk about any athletes you have da, 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 um, and get to know them, build relationships, get the, you know, have those conversations. And then also they're going to make sure those other athletes are going to be at that camp or that, that testing event or whatever it is. And then actually do this with them. Right. And when I was coaching Mexico, uh, I was consulting for the first three years um, alongside a couple great Mexican guys. And I was like, there's got to be more talent across Mexico. Like there's almost more people in Mexico city than all of Canada. Canada's, you know, massive. Right. And um, no, this is, these are the only girls. I'm like, there's no way, like there's no way. Right. But he was from Mexico city. So he'd never really been out amongst it. Right. And so when I took over as coach, I invited girls from different parts of the country. Every time I'd bring in, you know, Bruce from Edinburgh, I'd be like, hey, is there other I'd have one on ones with them. I'd be like, is there be two on ones because I had to get a translator. I'm like, would there be any other athletes like you? Yes, there is. There's this girl. She's six foot tall. Um, she's 18 years old. Perfect. I talked to my manager. I put her on a bus that night. She's there the next morning on the field. Right. Like no wasting time. We and then every time I had like a deal where like we had to bring in five girls from five different regions of Mexico. And then every time they come in, I would ask the same question you did. I think we're only at question one right now, but how did you, how did you get into the game? Right. What does your family think? Who's your coach? What is like, how many girls are like, I would just ask and learn. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, when Damian McGraw was in Canada, he got around the country, get back from winning the Singapore sevens, which is the only one we've ever won. And you know what? He was on a ferry the next day or that day got off the plane and then he came back and he was guest coaching in the snow up island. So it's like you have to, you know, it's it's a fine it's a fine balance so of, as a national team coach to, to get amongst it because you have a job to do. But um, we have the athletes, you know, I've said that since I finished playing for Canada. I mean, that was that was my why in, in, in you know chasing my dream was how will I ever be able to get through to these Canadian kids? We have the talent, we have the athletes. I mean, North America is like, you know, size and power. Absolutely. But we, in Canada, we have to go get them. They're under rocks. They're in mountains. They're by the beach, you know, they're wherever they're on a ski hill. You have to go get them. And like you said, you have to sell them on it. I love, I absolutely love your passion. So one of the things that I think has allowed you maybe to have this confidence is you you disappeared. You took off from Canada. I, I have this image of you, sort of kit bag on the back with a with the boots tied, just dangling from a rucksack. Okay, Europe, here I come. Uh, how did that come about? What gave you the courage to go and do that? Oh, that was like 2000, 2001. Uh, I, I mean, I'm from a small town. Uh, in the Cowichan Valley on Vancouver Island on the east coast of the island. So um, tucked away in some broken islands. It's, it's, uh, it's beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd never been on a city bus. I'd never been on a, on a train, never, never nothing. Been fishing since I was five days old kind of thing. And uh, anyway, I uh, fell in love with rugby. And uh, I had some, I was looking at schools across the U.S. Because, you know, in, in Canada, you, you grow up, like, looking over the fence, like, oh, got to get a scholarship, got to go to the U.S., right? And so I was, I was looking at, I was talking to a number of schools, and uh, I was going to go to Oregon, Oregon or Oregon State. And they had a contact in France, and they were going to sign me. 
But he's like, hey, uh, one of my colleagues is a vice president of a club in, in northern France. Would you like to go there? And, and it was like a year or two after the 99 World Cup where France upset New Zealand. And that really caught my attention pre-internet um, that they can play some nice rugby. Um, I'm half Italian, so I'm, I'm half crazy uh, um, and half Just wild. Half. So. Just yeah, half crazy. Well, full crazy, full crazy. But, you know, just the way I played, the way I played, I didn't play like a Canadian, especially in those days. Like I come from a very typical, um, you know, a Scottish club type, you know, like hard playing the mud, you know, like it's forwards based, you know, everything's a mall. And uh, and then once in a while they get it out to me and uh, I had, you know, I either had to make it rain or or, or I wouldn't get I get dropped the next week. And um you know, so for me, it was like, I didn't really fit into this like hard, tough, and my uncles were big and tough. So I didn't really fit into that model. I was, I was, I would, I'd always say like, I wanted to step like the Fijians. I wanted to run like the French. I wanted to pass and kick like a, like an Englishman, right? Like, like I always, I had to steal bits from everywhere uh, and make it my own. So anyhow, I'm like, yeah, this could be a good fit. And I, I grew up in, my mom put us in French immersion because she was Italian. So she, uh, she wants to get another language and putting your kids in the eighties in, in another language on the West coast of Canada was quite rare. And um, so she was pretty happy because my sister's first teaching role was, was, uh, was French and uh, I was playing professionally in France. So she was like, you know, two for two, this is, this is pretty good. Um, and uh, so I, 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 yeah, I packed my bags and well, my dad found out, uh, you know, he's a, he's a small town fire chief and um, you know, never really left town hardworking guy, uh, amazing man. But like, he basically called my mom and was like, tell your son, he's not going to Europe. Like, what is he like, what is he doing? You know? Uh, and my sister was the one that was going to go to Europe. She went to Europe at 12 and she's like, I'm backpacking. I'm like, I want to stay in town and I want to be a school teacher. In the end, she was a school teacher and I'm still a gypsy. So, um, so anyway, I got over there. I, I you know, I, I was, I was, I was scared for my life, Bruce, but, uh, got over there and um uh, for those kids out there we couldn't text and facetime and and uh any of that stuff you want to call it was like empty your bank account to talk to mom for two seconds so um got to i think i flew through uh the netherlands and then uh, into into belgium on the the french belgian border and these big scary french guys picked me up on a dark jury day and i was like okay i'm getting in the back of the car and uh so they said to me they said to me do you want to do you want to go sleep because I've been traveling for two days. Do you want to go to the club and meet people? Or do you want to ch train? And I was like, I want to train. Like you haven't slept for two days. I want to train. Like that was home for me. Like was on the field. I wanted to go. I was like revving so hot to just get on the field and show France like what I had. So I got out there and we we're doing like a warm up, and I'm like lapping guys on this warm up and this, this big Scottish or sorry, big Aussie that was there. He's six, seven Monty King. And uh, he, he was like in his late twenties. He's been, he'd been uh, on the road for a while playing around clubs and just picking his favorite countries really. And uh, his head pops out of the crowd, like a big giraffe. And he's like, you might want to slow down. These chain smoking Frenchmen are going to get, not going to be very happy with you. So uh, even when we did fitness, like I would like, I would roast, like that was my deal. Like I would, I only had one gear and I would, you know, if we were doing there and back, there and back, I'd be done like 10 minutes before everybody. And our, our coach was this old guy, uh, Michel Cremachi, he was his old French prop. And he gets so mad at me, the fitness test, because he's just like, your fitness. He'd just be like, you just need to do less, like do less. 
be like us, do less. And, uh, but uh, yeah. And then uh, just to wrap that up, um, he asked, he was going to sign me for the next year. And I said, well, if I come back to Europe, I want to go to Italy. Um, my mom's from there. I want to experience my culture and there's no Italians on Vancouver Island. So that whole, like, you know, Jersey shore, like North American Italian thing. I didn't grow up with that. I had a Canadian father, but I just, I was just used to, you know, overeating and people talking over each other. So that was kind of my experience. And, um, so it was pretty disorganized when I went to France and I didn't have an agent, you know, I was organizing it all myself. It was, you know, barely maybe dial up internet to research stuff. And, um, so I didn't have, they didn't have a lot of stuff sorted for me, uh, like as far as like visas and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get my stuff tight for Italy. So they flew, I said, fly me down. So they flew me down before I came back to Canada for the summer to sort out my school, to sort out my visa, sort out my works. Like I wanted everything tight this year. Cause I learned. Well, I had the best like week trip in uh, Italy I ever had, drank a bunch of wine, got fed, got wine and dined. I mean, I trained with the team a bit, but he didn't even look at me because he was just so focused. Like he was, you know, like a lot of coaches are focused on the weekend games. And um, so I'm like, oh, I'll come back for the summer. I got like six months. We'll get this dialed. No problem. And uh, well, they still don't have anything dialed because the Italians, like God bless them. They're on Italian time. Like their only word that I learned in Italian was domani, which means tomorrow. Right. So. <laughs> But uh, but I had I had an amazing experience, met met my family and uh, my Italian Nona, my Italian grandmother lives in Canada, of course, but she was over there visiting and she wanted to she wanted to make sure I got adjusted while there. So uh, I didn't play the first month because I slightly tore my Achilles right before, like the day before I got on the plane. And they basically had a gun to my head, like, you need to perform. And I was a goal kicker, Bruce. So they're like, we got to see you kick. So I literally had to take crutches out to the field um in in the fog uh in ferrara italy right and it's right in kind of the swampy region of the armpit of italy at nighttime under the lights and my italian my nona was like she's she's the most amazing like she's a pitcher-esque like nona uh, but she's basically cussing this guy out while i'm kicking goals in the dark with my crutches um he and he didn't really like if if you saw me kick one if you saw somebody kick once you'd know whether they could kick right like out of hand or off a tee or whatever this guy didn't really know um so he maybe kicked 15 balls and he was like almost giggling i went 14 for 15 um and uh my nona as i'm walking out the field is cussing this guy out so i ended up they basically told me i had to play or they were sending me home because they want to fly half and of course this guy didn't look at me when i was there earlier you know six months prior and i was ready to go so I was like, okay. So I played the third game of the year, their first home game. And then we were playing on Sundays. And this mafia guy, I swear he's a mafia guy, calls me on a Saturday night. And I'm just like this super keen Canadian kid. <laughs> like, I'll go through a wall. You want me to go through a wall? I'll go through a wall. I'll jump over that building. I'll do a million push. Like, whatever you wanted me to do, like, I'm good to go. Um, calls me at like 1030 at night. I'm already sleeping. And he's like we really need to win tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like for sure. Like, let's go. We really need you to kick your goals. Like that. It was like, if you don't like you're going home, basically I'm like, Jesus, but if you do, I'll give you a pile of cash. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I never even thought of cash. I mean, I was getting paid some, but I was like bonuses and stuff. I was like, Whoa, this like, this is weird. Like 
this guy's going to give me like $400 or whatever. If I, if I have a good game, I'm like, this totally is like kissing your sister. I'm, I do this for love. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell is this? So anyway, I play my first game and it was just one of those games where like, just nothing was happening, you know, like it was pretty close. They scored in the first five minutes, they're up by five points. And, um, and then it was like second half of the game and I was playing fly half and I'm like, I need to make something happen. Like I need to show them what I have. I need to make something happen. And there was like last play of the game. We're inside our like 22, the old, the old two, three fake, the old fake and go through a hole, went 90 meters, put away this guy they call Superman. He uh, scores in the corner, um, lands on the ball. It was like a signature move. He'd always do this big dive, but he wasn't, was very coordinated. So he always land on the ball and knock himself out. It was, we had like a highlight reel of it, but anyway, scores in the corner I hit the kick from the sideline seven, five. And, uh, it was, it was in the Italian, like sports highlights for like two weeks. And you see me running down the field and you see my Italian Nona outside the fence. Cause in Italy, like there's always fenced off and she's like running down the fence. Like, so she made more like, so then like the Italian news would just like, they would start on me and then they would just finish on her the whole way. They not her not knowing she was my, my Nona or whatever. But, uh, it was uh, it was such a wonderful experience because my Italian grandfather was my nono was actually like a, a famous Italian boxer before he moved to Canada. And uh, if you like when I would drop his name, uh, people know who he is. They know the last name. And, and there was some um, uh, Italian boxing team that that competed in in Canada like seven, eight years ago. And I was like, Hey, my Italian grandfather, like was, you know, apparently a legendary boxer. And I said, I started saying his first name Vincenzo and they said, Alberti, like they knew who he, exactly who he was. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool for my, my family full circle that I was then, you know, he, he passed the year I was born, but the fact that I went back to the motherland and, uh, and was playing sports. And then uh, after that, I said, uh, you know, I want to play for Canada, get an education. And uh, so I was going to get signed by Rubigo in the top 10. Um, but uh, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to I want to go play for Canada. And that kind of started my journey. So uh, I don't get asked that uh, the European uh, stuff. But, man, it was uh, it was it was a wild ride, you know, uh, 20 years ago or so for uh, a kid that had really like never seen the world. And and here I am now at I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 43 in 2022 and you know uh i i roomed with Serevi last week and uh i remember looking at him on my first tour in, in uh dubai south africa we we're in south africa and we we're we were waiting to fly from george 
to Johannesburg and we all of a sudden had an 11 hour layover. It was like a 45 minute flight. And then I had to fly eight, nine hours to Dubai, eight, nine hours to London, eight, nine hours to Toronto and then the West coast and the Island. Right. So it was like, just our, first, it was like our first little 11 hours. And I was pretty gassed on my first trip, but I'm looking over at Sarevi, who was a player coach then in his late thirties. Obviously like, you know, wow. Like he's my hero, but I was like, dude, how many planes has this guy been on? You know what I mean? Like how many planes has this guy been on? And he's just chilling. I'm like, I better chill. Cause he's chill. And then I was rooming with him last week and I played against him on the circuit. I played against him after our circuit days. I've coached against him. I've coached with him. I've coached at many different tournaments. Like I was coaching Trinidad. He was coaching Jamaica a couple weeks ago. I was obviously coaching Mexico. He was coaching Bermuda. Like we've been on the trail a lot together. And uh, anyway, we're sharing a hotel room last week. And I, I just, I was, we were sitting there the other day having a coffee. And I was like, man, I looked at you like 20 years ago and I was like, man, how many planes is that guy? And I said, I think I've almost caught up now. <laughs> he started laughing. So, so you, you get to your, I must've passed you on in the air. Cause I went to Albany and played for the Knickerbockers in Albany about the same time you were heading the other way, I think, but I did it easy. I went somewhere where they spoke the lingo and I, you know, I was going to fit in the tradition up here in, in the UK is you head to Aussie or, or Kiwi to get your, you know, have your season and get your kicks for a while and some stay and do well and some come back. What what then made you think right now is the time for Canada? Did the Canadian Union know what you were up to? Were they tracking you or were you just going rogue? Well, you know, really the only people that went and played professionally were the guys playing for Canada. And, um, you know, I knew if, I knew just slugging it out in in uh, in our league on the coast, like wouldn't really get me to the next level. Um, so there's a at the time, there's a Canadian Super League uh, and it's everybody will say it's the best thing that, was, that ever happened to Canadian rugby as far as the men's game goes. Um, so basically each region had a had a elite team in the summer because, again, the. Across Canada, they actually obviously play in the summer. And then on the West Coast, we play the same season as Scotland and the UK would, which is throughout the winter. Um, so it's actually quite a, quite a good league, and that would be kind of a pathway. Now, when I when I got back from France, I went to my first uh, Super League trial. And I remember coming back from that practice, and I had a 99 World Cup poster on my on my wall. And every guy every guy that was there was was in that poster, except for me. Um, but because I'd gone away, they're like, wow, this guy, I was the only guy playing pro in France or whatever and going to Italy. They were like, all right. So yeah, that, that definitely, that definitely helped me. Um, and you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, it's like, I slept in a different bed. I ate different food. I played with different guys. I played against different guys. I wasn't familiar with the grounds. I wasn't familiar with the refs. Uh, I didn't know what, how to get there, you know, wherever we went. I, I remember being in Italy and being like, um, Hey, uh, who do you, who's this Reposo? Where's Reposo? Where's this like who who's this Reposo we're playing next weekend? They're like, Reposo means break. We don't play next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was uh, that was a good one. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean it's I, you know get comfortable being uncomfortable, and then you know by the time I got to the World Series, which obviously took me a long time, um, it wasn't my first rodeo, as we say in in, in North America. So. Um, but when I, when I, when I figured it was time, uh, there was a gentleman named Gregor Dixon, who was the captain of the Canadian sevens. He was also in the back row for, 
for the 15s. Uh, he was playing in the in the top league in France, southern France while I was in France. And we would have a call every Sunday, and he's from my home club. And he would come back from like when he's when we were both at couch and he'd come back from these World Series stops or pre-World Series stops, I guess maybe at that point, with these magazines, right? And that was the Google for the kids now. That was the Google. These just these magazines, tournament magazines. And they were on a club and I'd be like flipping through them. And there'd be like 40, 50,000 people in costumes. And, you know, you get this whole like when I said earlier, like these kids don't know what's out there. I didn't know it was out there. Like to me, the show is like hockey or the World Series for baseball or whatever. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, this looks like rugby heaven. Like, this is, a, I want to do that. Right. And then Gregor would take off. I was just a small town kid. And, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was in the stable and this guy's going off and riding, you know, and he would come back. I'm like, where were we? Oh, I was, I was here. I was there. I was Kuala Lumpur. I was UK. I was, I was like, wow, this is, I want to do that. And so when we were in France, I was obviously playing national one and he was, he was in the top league and we talk every Sunday. But the interesting thing was he says, he said, I, I'm jealous of you. And I said, why is that? He goes, well, you speak French. He goes, uh, I'm not having the same experience as you. I'm having a good experience. But and, and Gregor's quite a charismatic guy. He's quite cool and, and uh, you know, has a good dry joke. And, and, you know, but even just understanding. And he just said, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss. Like, I can pick up some words on the field. But, you know, I knew I understand what the guys would be talking about having a beer. And I'd like to, you know, throw a joke in there. But he goes, I can't. So our experience. So, I, you know. It's, it's never greener on the other side. I'm thinking like, wow, this guy's killing it. He's playing the top league. You know, I want to be like him. And he's like, man, like, you know, you actually are, you know, getting a way better experience than me, um, which which was kind of cool. But anyhow, I asked him, I asked him one of these Sunday calls and it took me like five, six Sundays to build it up. But like, do you think I can play for Canada? And, uh, and Greg is the kind of guy that's not going to bullshit you, right? He's a big back rower. He's like... You know, and he knew me all the way through. So he thought about it like it was just awkward silence for like, like I would say it felt like five minutes, but it might have been 40 seconds. And he was genuinely thinking about it. And he just said, like, yes, you can. That's all I needed. He said, but it's going to be a long road for you. He said, you got you've got a step like nobody else. You got you got the fitness, you got the other work rate. But he's like, you're not a big guy. And like, you need to, you know, you need to hustle hard and it's going to take a long time and expect the ups and expect the downs. Like you were saying with the, with the pathway piece. So um, that's all I needed though, Roos. That's, that's, that's all I needed. He set me on a, on a trajectory of, of, of no quit. Um, and if he would have said no, then I probably would have believed it. So um, yeah, I mean, th th shout out to Gregor for, for lying to me or, or maybe believing in me, <laughs> one of the two um so and that's what i say to kids or adults all the time it's like i yeah i think you can do it but i said even if i if i said you, if, if the guy down the street says you can't or whoever it doesn't matter it's it's really up to you and then you find some people that will tell you you can so that uh after that i was like yeah i got to get back to vancouver island and and i got to get on the hunt and uh and that's what i did so you get back to canada having had an experience like that where the feet still itchy where did you need it to happen tomorrow where you did you need it to happen today were you frustrated were you anxious were you nervous how, how did it work because i i always feel that going away and seeing what it's like somewhere else and then you come back and maybe you don't get the reaction you want is that how you found it no i mean uh i i, I describe it as this bruce for six seven years <clears throat> every day i woke up in the morning every time i got out of bed <clears throat> And I did get out of bed super early at that time. But when I got out of bed, 
it was literally like the wind wasn't in my sails. It was a full gust, a full gale wind at my back. I wanted it so bad. I was on the hunt so hard that I just, you could tell me I suck. You could trip me. You could throw spears at me. No way. I'm coming through. I was Braveheart. Like there's no stopping me. This is what I wanted. I was super positive and passionate. And, you know, I kept my, I kept my, I kept it close to me because some people found out about it and I didn't broadcast it, but they would try and, you know, cut you down. Um, and, uh, but no, I, I, you know, I, I absolutely had no like reservations. I was, I was hungry. I was up for the challenge. I mean, I, I talk about it a lot. Vancouver Island, I run a full-time academy with 35 kids from around the world. And like, this is the New Zealand of the North. Like we have hills and mountains for days, fresh, the, the best water in the world. Like, you know, we have every, the cleanest air, like this is, this is a breeding ground for, for rugby players. Um, so, so we're quite fortunate there. And I had a training ground outside my door, but my first trial, this is a, this is amazing. So it was actually like a Canada West versus Scotland 15s game at the university of Victoria on Vancouver Island in Victoria. And, um, Doug Tate, who Doug was a former, he was a sevens coach. He was a technical director. He's, he's developed like over 60 Canadian sevens international. He's got this thing when he retired last year and it's like all the guys that come through his university program. And he's my favorite guy. Like I just try and coach like him, make him sweat and make him smile. That's the model. Um, but also, you know, definitely have a plan. And um, I, I yelled at him. I yelled at him from this game after the game, because he was help executing the event. Cause it was at his university. And uh, I said, Hey, um, I want to play sevens for Canada. Like when can I come practice? He's like, ah, come tomorrow. We have a practice. I was like, okay. So I showed up the next day. Now, you know, they had like open trials. Sometimes it'd be 70, 90 guys. They would have, you know, closed trials, you know, like long listed guys. Then they would have like the 30 guys and then non-travel, you know, traveling team and non-travelers. This was the traveling. This was, this was like the, the Manchester Commonwealth Games team, the 12, like Winston Stanley, like all the legends, the old guys, right? And Winston, like a week or two before, just broke the Canadian record of 50 tries and test matches in Chicago. And um, anyhow, I show up to the I show up to this 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 field and it's it's locked. The doors are locked. Like there's an actual lock on the door of, of the gate. So I just climb the fence. And Dougie being a beauty, like, I don't think he actually invited me. He was like, oh, yeah, just come. Like, that's how he is. Oh, yeah, sure, just show up. It was closed. It was like they're traveling, like, the next day to Manchester. Climb the fence, and these guys are like, who the hell is this guy? Like, who is this guy? Right? Just in my club socks and my, you know, whatever, my one pair of shorts likely from high school at that time. And, and uh, you know, the first guy to come up to me was Winston Stanley. And, uh, hi, I'm Winnie. Nice to meet you. What's your name? And I was like, that is class. He was one of the best players in the world at that time at the, in his prime, you know, some of the, the fringe guys, the younger guys were kind of like, who's this guy. Um, so for me, like when I became one of the guys, you know, it's the first thing I I've always, or I still do, you know, like uh, we're guest coaching the where I've coached the premier sevens last week. And, and there's some new coaches or new managers that are in the mix. The first thing I do. And like, you can tell they're just coming in with so much energy much like when Surevi, I mean, I can't put myself Surevi's level, of course, but Surevi came up to me my first tournament, you know, and just took away all that pressure because he recognized that this was my first cap. And although that he was the best in the world at that time, he missed the feeling of it being his first tournament. And so for me, I always try and get rid of that nervous anxiousness. But anyhow, I was invited, not invited to my first thing, and I climbed the fence and, uh, you know, 
five, six, seven years later, uh, I made my <laughs> debut. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 nobody worked harder. I'll say nobody worked harder than me. And so I figured I deserved it. And uh, I almost hung it up after six years uh, of trying. Um, I was a non-traveling reserve for every stop leading up to the 2005 World Cup. Um, and like the only one that was at the camps, like we had closed like two week camps is the first time they'd ever done that. And I get invited and I had all the kit except for the Jersey and they never give out the kit unless you've been capped. Like they just don't, but I was just like so close. So after the Wellington sevens and, um, Wellington LA seven stops. Uh, so they went to Wellington. I, like I was at that pre-camp, they went to Wellington and then I went to LA with my university, Victoria. And so we were there watching them. So we get there on the Friday night and uh, it's a university trip and we're the top university in Canada, but the guys are on the piss. And a lot of them are like 15s guys, some sevens, other sevens bubble guys, and they're having beers. But I'm like, I'm this close to finally, you know, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. I can't be that guy. Um, so we go to the tournament the next day. The boys are on it the night before. They're on it that morning, of course. The university guys are on tour. We don't play for like five days, so they're having a good time. And uh, I always say normal people do normal things. The normal thing to do would have been crush beers. Uh, I'm, you know, I wasn't normal. Uh, I was enjoying myself. So I'm up in this booth visiting my elementary school teacher, the first lady, Miss Dick, because they put a ball on my head. Um, and she's up there watching with some other people from where we're from. And she said, like, they're all talking about, like, hey, like, I hear you're pretty close to, you know, cracking the national team squad and da, da, da. I'm really proud of you, you know, you're still playing and da, 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 right? And I was just starting to make a name for myself kind of thing. And one of our athletic therapists for the university comes running up to this booth. Where's Robin? Like, like you're going in. And then we're at the LA 7s. And I'm like, what do you mean you're going in? Like, have you been drinking beers? No, I have not been drinking beers. Like, I didn't think so. Uh, Spence is looking for you. Spence Robinson, our assistant coach, is looking for me. She's like, you better go back down to the stands and hang out with the boys because um, Spence is going to come looking for you. Shane, our, who then was my coach, Shane at the time was on his way out from playing. He'd been injured in, in Wellington and it wasn't clear for L.A. So you're in. Sluggo wants you, the famous Rick Sudgett. So oh, I go back. He's a legend. I met him in Hong Kong. Great guy. Larger than life. So we uh, we go down to the stands and I'm sucking on a bottle of water and all the boys now have been on the piss for like two hours and they all know I'm like getting the nod. So they're all just like hyping me up. And so Spence Robinson comes out from the end of the, the, the tunnel, comes up into the stands and in LA, like early in the day, they, they block out like no people in the end of the stands they want it for TV. They just want you on either side, right? As people filter in. So you just see this man walking along the end of the thing and looking for me. And I'm like, no way, like no way. And uh, comes over. He's like, you got your kit? I'm like, yes, I do. He's like, of course you do. <laughs> I'm like, it's at my hotel. So I give him my key to go get my kit. And he goes, come with me. So go to the player section. And then like the boys and then the sevens team are all hyped up. So we're getting ready um, for warm up. I was going to debut at halfback against the U.S. In the U.S., last game of the day under the lights in Los Angeles. Like it was, you know, storybook. Right. And the boys are more excited for, for Rudy over here than themselves. And, um, right before kickoff, uh, Rick Sluggo comes over to me and he goes, you know, 
the IRB guy just said your name had to be on the list last night by 11. So you're out. Um, but the next tour is the Sevens World Cup in Hong Kong. So we'll take Shane to that. And then the Hong Kong-Singapore leg will be split up. So we'll go to uh, we'll go to um, Singapore and we'll you'll, you'll lead that team. You'll likely captain that team or lead that team because we're going to blood new guys after that World Cup. And anyhow, over that time, Sluggo became 15's head coach, right? And so he just used the rest of the year to basically blood guys for the 15's program. Um, I didn't go to Singapore. I didn't go to London, France. That Spence guy called me and he'd been in my corner. He's like, listen, um, you've had a, you've had a good run. Right. And I had the fitness, like top fitness scores. I was top scorer in the premier league here. I was top scorer in our super league. Like I was crushing the trials. Like I was there, you know, when at first I was a raw animal, then I was like, you know, and uh, he's like, you know, you should be really proud of yourself. Just like, if you've ever watched Rudy, like it was basically the same story. Like you've hung in there with the best. So I'm like, don't hold your head, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I got off the phone and I just let it go. Like I just bawled. I just was just like, so mad at myself more than anything. I was just like, you know, I'm going to be having a pint saying I would have, could have, should have, whatever. And, um, and then I woke up the next morning, like a rocket, like a rocket. Right. And so I called Sluggo and I said, listen, I said, um, I may have done more than everybody else, but you're right. I haven't done as much as I possibly could. I wasn't as big and strong as I could. He goes, well, the problem is like, cause I was, uh, as a summer student, cause I was in, in university and I would work for our, our, our town and I would be laying pipe. I'd be in the ditch. I'd be on a shovel. I'd be working my butt off for 10 hours. So I'd burn in calories. And then I would drive an hour and a half to Victoria for a super league practice. And I'd drive back every day do the gym, do it again. So I was just burning, burning, burning fat and burning time. So he didn't want me to play in the super league, but that year they had a super league team up Island, which was, they were terrible. We had a lot of fun, but I was able to like eat more, hit the gym. So I was pushing like 245 at like 155 pounds, like 160 pounds. Like I was throwing weight um, and doing everything. I would work every day. So I'd, 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 I'd go work in the ditch. Or I'd go work in the ditch I get off, I drive to my mom's downtown. I'd run 15, 20 minutes to the gym. I'd work out for an hour. I go run around my town, which is all hills. I do an hour of hill running around my town. And then I'd run to the biggest hill. And it's like the Lion King when they say Mufasa. Cause when I talk about the name of this hill with kids in my town, it's like, it's like a five minute drive like this. I would sprint up at six, six times. And then I would go to the track and do speed workouts. It's the worst training plan ever, right? You do speed at the end of being gassed, right? But I just destroyed myself. I was bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, and then mentally, you cannot push me. You could not push me over any any wall. Um, and so when I went to that trial that fall, well, Sluggo basically said, you know, the Commonwealth Games are in Melbourne in March. He goes, you should be in that team. And he'd moved away from the sevens team. And I got, that's all I needed was that from him. And I went to the trial that fall with a new coach. And there was 15 selectors and all 15, I still have the email rank me number one, every single one of them. And, and the rest is history. And, uh, the, the best, the weird thing about it is I had told people for seven, eight years, how I was going to score my first try. Like I had, I dreamt it. This is how it's going to happen. As a halfback, I was going to go around the side. I was going to chip over the sweeper and I was going to score into the post and kiss a maple leaf. And when I, when, when the, when the thing went off, um, 
it was, it was an outer body experience and that, like, I didn't think about it. It just happened. And the, and then I played like a hundred games in the world series, Bruce, and I would never kicked it again. Like I would never have the <laughs> balls once I, you know, to ever do that. Like I was never that I was just a connect guy. Like they programmed me, like just set up. I had the best step ever, but I barely ever brought it out. Like it was just like, I was, a, I was, I would buzz around and control the game and connect, do my job. But, uh, but anyway, that moment happened and, uh, that's where the dream believe succeed started so and and it's quite a story um when you're on the world series i've spoken to a lot of sevens guys um and it's i don't know if you watch the simpsons but there's an episode of the simpsons where this yo-yo team come to the school and the next day all the kids are are on the yo-yos but the yo-yo sort of dream team get stuck in a van and then taken away to the next school and it's just this road trip you guys share the same flights the same hotel the same buses you the final night you all go for beers you get to know each other um how much did you get out of that sort of road show experience uh like for me i think i got more out of it than a lot of people definitely the canadians um because i had already spent some time in europe and i'd been out of my comfort zone and I was like, I was the biggest fan of the world series before I played on the world series. Like when I scored my first try, I knew how to dive and look cool and all that. The boys are like, what's like, where'd you learn this? I'm like, I've been watching VHS like for years. Um, I knew all the players and all that. So for me, I was the biggest fan when I was on the world series, I was the biggest fan and still this day I'm the biggest fan. Um, and so for me, I never took a moment for granted. So we would, you know, we would hang out with Fijians. We'd have Cava sessions with the Fijians. We got along with the Scots and the, and the Welsh really good. I spoke French. So there's a couple of guys in, you know, on the French team I connected with outside of Ben Gollings, the English guys were not class on the world series. And I will not be shy about that. Now they are. Uh, but in that era, they were just a little too posh. But uh, that was one thing about Ben. We connected our first Dubai Sevens. And he was a cutout in Dubai, which is, you know, the Arabian England. And uh, and he was class. Like, here's an English guy at the peak of his career um, that just got MVP and won, won another Dubai Sevens and was just like, you know, just a solid dude. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when you get to know his story, he's actually been quite humbled a number of times and we're still friends to this day. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I did. I did not take one one of that one of those seconds for granted. And, um, you know, uh, I remember being uh, I remember being like when we flew from Dubai to South Africa, my first my first like travel day with all the teams. And uh, it, was, it was the cool thing about those flights is in that day, they had all the World Series stops from the year before on the so i'm in between world series stops and i'm watching more rugby on these Air, united arab emirates flights right i'm like and i'm sitting around the the spring box or the blitz box and uh and i'm watching like their highlights they won like the tournament of the year like the year before or whatever it was like it was super surreal but uh it, it it is it is so amazing uh and, and obviously the thing that i love about the world series is like you know you could be watching england scotland england knock it on and scotland scores or um Canada, USA, like nobody really cares in the stands. It's it's just Jue. Whereas when you have two countries battling in any sport and anything or two teams, you know, it's 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 right or wrong, it's black or white, it's good and evil, whatever. Whereas like this World Series is is that special. And the Premier Sevens in the US is even another level because you're actually rooming like for the first two legs, I room with Andrew Locke, which is who we played in the cup final. 
um, former USA player and coach, um, you're actually rooming with the opposition, you know, coaches. <laughs> like it's like another level uh, outside of sharing a bed. I mean, um, and and it's yeah. So it's 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 so class that way. And and you know, some of my best friends in the world are, are guys I, I played against on the World Series. And uh, you know, and then now in our 30s and 40s, we've got to coach against each other. Like uh, it's pretty cool. And then most recently, like Kelly Griffin, a USA Olympian and, and legend um captain uh, i've been coaching with her with the our, our premier sevens team and and like i coached mexico against her on the uh on the world series and uh um at olympic qualifying events and now you know now i'm working with her and we're sharing sluggo stories and we got matching tattoos because we won last year so it's uh it's uh it, it is a family for sure i, I love it and i don't you get that in a sport i can't imagine two hockey coaches sharing a room but i know you've you've got some jobs to do i'm also a massive ben gollings fan he was awesome when he came on the pod lovely guy um but you've got you've got some work to do um and i think i've already stolen more of your time than i need i, I think what i'm going to say to you is would you please come back and can we do part two because i feel like there's still a whole load that we can get into uh, thanks for your passion and enthusiasm i did give you a 30 seconds of notice before we hit record so robin after all you've told us uh, i'm intrigued by this one please finish the sentence for me for you happiness is yeah like can i have an on-field and an off-field <laughs> go for it go for it you Happy, can have as much as you like yeah for i'll say for me happiness for me is is either being on the on the back of a horse in the canadian open prairies uh riding wide open or obviously being on the West coast, um, with my wife and dog, uh, sleeping on a boat and, and, uh, and enjoying the, the Pacific ocean, uh, happiness for me, uh, in and around the sport is, uh, is, is seeing my athletes, uh, live their own dream, believe, succeed, seeing them win and smile. And, uh, my, you know, my, my favorite moment of my life, is is when Mexico qualified for the World Cup and 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 that feeling I can't even describe and and I've had so many I've been I've been spoiled with so many wonderful moments in my life I feel like Forrest Gump with the lives I've lived but with uh you know with that Mexican group because it's you know living your own dream believe succeed is so selfish and and uh, and wonderful but helping uh other people around the world uh, fall in love with the game and climb mountains and inspire the next generation. And because those women uh, did that and made history, there's more girls now playing the sport of rugby girls and women in Mexico than all the Americas from Canada, us all the way down to Chile. And, and for me, yeah, happiness is, is for me is growing the game. I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time and energy. Now you need to go and inspire some more kids. Yeah, I wanted to have this in the morning because I knew it would fire me right up for uh, getting to work with uh, 40, uh, 40 crazy Canadian kids. So uh, it's been an absolute honor um, and uh, big support of your pod and, and uh, looking forward to catching up in person one time. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that. Thank you, Robin. Cheers. That was joy. That's probably the least I have ever spoken on a pod. But when you've got a man with that energy, enthusiasm and passion and that many stories to tell, we have not got anywhere close. I don't think we've even scratched the surface. 
I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. You can catch us on Acast, Apple and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Bring them into the body of the Kurt Glitlam here all about the Happinesses podcast. I have had a very, very enjoyable hour and I hope you have too. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happinesses podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped. Until the next time, look after yourself. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.